Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. Hi guys, Mike here from Voices of the Vic podcast. On Saturday, me and Ben sat down to speak to Ian from the BRFCS podcast to talk everything about tonight's game between Watford and Blackburn Rovers. And this is what was said. Yes, we're here with Ian today. From Ian, I'm going to let you pronounce the uh, the podcast name because I've done this numerous times over and over again in my head and I can just see myself slipping up. So, yeah, which podcast is it you're from, Ian? Uh, we are the BRFCS podcast. So, the go. Blackburn Rovers supporters podcast, basically. Yeah, too uh, much of a mouthful, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a fans, run by the fans, for the fans. It's been around since the uh, 1990s. Six, I think the euphoria of winning the league led to a lot of um, fan-based media, and so we, a forum was created. Uh, the podcast has been going for probably about six or seven years, but it went into hiatus. I think uh, the enthusiasm waned just about the time that Zankis took us over, and it, we restarted again about three years ago when we were relegated into League One. Uh, I think we all wanted the uh, they say that misery loves company. So I think we wanted to make sure that there were plenty of fans that were just as miserable as we were about being relegated. And of course, it turned out to be a really uh, generative season. So the podcast is, we're now up to, I think uh, the last episode was 136. And we tried to do at least one a month. So uh, it's good fun doing them. We've had players and managers on them. But yeah, we have a panel of probably a dozen of us that uh, will typically contribute so uh, it's been terrific yeah very very good right well we'll start from last season so last season you finished 11th seven points in the end outside the playoff spots how would you sum up last season like seven points outside the playoffs doesn't sound too bad but what what's the sort of view from your side 
Uh, we ebbed and flowed. Uh, we we had we we seem to develop this incredible knack of putting sequences together. Um, and there'd be four sequences where we we couldn't win for love and the money, and it was worry me, we're awful, we're dreadful, we're, we're never going to do anything. And then just at the point where the, the fan base was sort of like hashtagging Murray out on Twitter, uh, we'd win a game, and then we'd win the next one, then we'd win the next one, and so on, <laughs> so on. So yeah, we'd win like five out of seven, and all of a sudden it was like, hang on a minute, we're actually, we're actually quite good. And we got to a point just at the beginning of December where we'd had a really good run, and we were at home to Wigan. Um, just it, it was, I think it was in the run up to Christmas, and then we had Birmingham at Christmas. People were looking at those two games and saying, "Well, now we've won five or six on the stick. If we win these two, you know, we'll, we'll be in the top six and, and, and good to go." And uh, Bradley Jack, our talismanic player, uh, did his cruciate ligament, and he was him out for the season. He's still out now, in fact, uh, and that seemed to sort of like deflate everybody. So we had a terrible <laughs> results over Christmas where we absolutely were useless. And then it brought everyone's expectations back down again. We didn't do much in the January window. So again, expectations were really low. And then we clicked into gear and had a decent run. And then, of course, the, um, the COVID uh, lockdown started. And we came back after lockdown, looking really good for two or three games, and then just packed up. It was, it was absolutely extraordinary. It, it was just as they, they got all the fans sort of thing. Do you know what? We could sneak into sixth place here. Um, and effectively, you know, Swansea took the place that, that we could potentially have got have gone for, um, because I think it was, it was down to us, Swansea, and Forest going for that sixth spot. But we just collapsed. You know, we lost. We, we were beaten twice last season by your dear friends in town. So yeah, we we are a really really peculiar side that's capable of pulling off some wins like five nil away at Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, and then losing at home to Luton, so all things are possible. So in the end, I think 11 was about right. But the, yeah, the league table rarely lies at the end of 46 games. Um, I tipped as I think maybe 12th pre-season, so 11 was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think you know, most most Rovers fans would have taken that at the beginning of the season. Um, but it's just a little bit annoying after lockdown to have had two or three decent results, raise those expectations, only to have them dashed easily as quickly. Uh, but that's the life of being a Rover supporter, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. It sounds like it. Anyway, um, you're, you're owned by the Venkies still. Um, ten years this November, yeah. I think, since um, you, they took over from you. They was quite, um, quite heated at the start when they took over. I remember seeing lots of Venkies yeah. out and we want we yeah, want yeah, our yeah. Rovers back. Um, what, what's the, the stance now towards them um, from all the fans? Uh, do you still want them out or have they improved along the time? Um, how do you feel? Well, I, I'm potentially going to be quite controversial here, but the, the first seven or eight years of Venkies was an unmitigated disaster. They made mistake after mistake after mistake in terms of hiring and firing good people that were in executive positions at the club, uh, constantly hiring and firing managers, bringing in advisors, signing a load of useless players. Uh, but then the since we've appointed Tony Mowbray, I have to say, think the ship has, has steadied, let's put it that way. And one of the interesting thought experiments we did on an episode of our podcast was, imagine that Venkis had sold three years ago, to a new owner and the new owner had run it for the last three years actually you, you wouldn't have any qualms about what the owners have done they've covered the losses uh, they've invested reasonably sensibly 
uh, they've given Mowbray a reasonable amount of money to spend. And it would be difficult to be too critical of the ownership in the last three years. The problem is you can't really divorce the two. Penkins have been around for the, for the whole 10 years and many people, including myself, will sort of say, well, they were responsible for us dropping out of the Premier League in the way that we did. I'm not saying we would have stayed there throughout that 10-year period because the league tends to regenerate and sides come and go, as you well know from your experiences. Uh, but the, the, the thing was, it was, it was a self-inflicted wound. We didn't need to get rid of Sam Allardyce for all his foibles. I'm pretty confident he would have kept us up. We certainly didn't need to get rid of the capable people on the board. That was just shooting ourselves in both feet. It really, really was. Uh, and that's the thing that I find unforgivable. Jack Walker left a legacy, and it's almost like Venky sold the family silver and trashed the family home. And then since then, they've sort of said, oh, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Maybe we'd better pay for some renovation. It feels a bit like that. Uh, I think until five o'clock yesterday, if you'd gone 32 hours before, the feeling again was, well, we're going nowhere this season. This is going to be another dead loss. And then all of a sudden, they pulled rabbits out of the hat in the window. And we brought in some quite exciting signings. Uh, three of them are loan, so um, they're not our players. But if they can get us up, who cares, frankly? Yeah, we'll worry about that later. So it's a bit of a... The fan base is split, I think it's fair to say. I think everyone has long memories. Uh, and I, I don't think anyone absolves Venkis from the mistakes that they made in that first seven years. But some of the more forgiving fans will say in the last three years, they've actually played a pretty strong game. Um, but they're a long way from being adored, let's put it that way. Yeah, you mentioned there, obviously, you know, you've just talked about the, the ups and downs of the Venkies, but you mentioned that they're sort of maybe putting their hands in the pockets a little bit more now and actually investing in the squad. Before we actually talk about the fantastic transfer window you've had, which, in my personal opinion, I think you've had the best one in the league, uh, but Ben's going to sort of delve into that uh, after this question but one player I do want to talk about is someone you've actually let go uh, and we have to talk about him because he's a Watford legend you've let Danny Graham go Um, he was obviously a a Watford legend how would you sum up his spell with yourselves because if my research is correct he scored 52 goals in a combined 175 appearances because his first spell with you was on loan, I believe, and then he yeah, joined well, you. Yeah. But 52 goals yeah. in 175 appearances for a man of his age as he's well. A, you know, he's not getting any younger. He, it would have been very, he's very a, good, surely. He's a, he's a club legend. Um, certainly, yeah. In the, in the last, in the post Premier League era, shall we say, since we got relegated, we've struggled to find heroes. And Danny Graham is undoubtedly one of them. He'll never need to buy a drink in Blackburn ever again. But it was painfully obvious last season that uh, the legs had gone. And what he what he had made up for with intelligent movement and space, so playing a bit like a but yeah, a discount Teddy Sheringham type thing. He, he just couldn't sustain it. He had a particularly good partnership with Bradley Dak. The two of them were almost telepathic. They really, really had a really good understanding about using space, and neither of them has, has pace. Uh, but Graham had guile, and he would hold the ball beautifully and bring players, other players into the game. Uh, and he was a joy to watch. As I say, he's a Rovers hero. There's no doubt about that. Over the last five or six years, 
he's probably he will probably come out as our, our player over that period. But the time is right to part company, and he's gone back to Sunderland, and I think uh, that's quite a brave move because we yeah. took him from Sunderland or rescued him from Sunderland. Might be a more appropriate way of putting it. Um, it was the right move. We, it, it was on. It was one of our top wagers. Uh, he was tending to be used at the back end of last season more as an impact substitute, mm-hmm. or more. Danny, we're really struggling here. We need to get something out of this game, make something happen. But I, I talked about Bradley Dak's injury earlier. Without Dak in that side, Danny Graham wasn't as effective by quite a long chalk. So I think it made sense to, to, to try and bring youngsters through, try and bring younger players through, wean ourselves off that um, off that dependency on Danny. But um, no, Danny Graham, as I say, he'll never have to buy a drinking blackbird. <laughs> Same goes to when he comes down to uh, Watford as well. He, absolute club legend. I think he's a, probably a club legend at every club he's played at, including Swansea. Not had very, yeah, oh, maybe not Sunderland, then. They're very unforgiving, I think, up there. I, I, and I say, even though he's gone back for a second spell, I know we, a few Rovers fans went on their forums to say, look, he's been brilliant for us, give him a chance. <laughs> yeah, I think we were hounded off. Let's put it that way. So uh, yeah, we shall see how he goes. But I think he, I think this will possibly be the last season of his career. Yeah, he's getting on a little bit now, isn't he? Um, yeah. So Mike's touched upon. We we both think that you've probably had one of the best transfer windows in the championship mm. um, this season. You brought in the very talented Harvey Elliott from Liverpool. Um, as, yeah. as well as six others, I believe. Um, how do you think your transfer activity has been uh, this summer? pretty good. I think it's one of the best windows that we've had for a long, long time. The challenge now is trying to get the mix right, bearing in mind you know, we're already, what, five games, six games or whatever into the season. Uh, trying to bring all those disparate talents into the team positively. I mean, that's, that's what a football manager has to do, but that's a big challenge for Mowbray. There is no doubt that the, the big holes that we had in the squad have all been addressed. So we, we, we didn't have a first-choice goalkeeper or a second-choice goalkeeper. We bought three, bizarrely. Um, we, we've got a new left-back in Douglas from Leeds, and um, I work with a couple of Leeds fans, and both of them speak very highly of, of him, so he'll be a good signing. Uh, we've got Ayala from Middlesbrough to, to shore up the central defence, and that was a, a big problem last season. And the early signs of his first few appearances are very positive indeed. Um, I think it's it's a very exciting time, as you say. That the, the Elliott signing was a really, really unusual one that came out of left field. Nobody was expecting that one. Uh, we're not quite sure what to expect. We have our own 18-year-old wonder kid in Tyrese Dolan uh, that we got from Preston. So I think if we can split the maverick winger, young nippy lad who might make something happen duties between the likes of Dolan, Elliott, and Harry Chapman. Uh, then that should mean we've got good cover for injury. And it just injects a bit of pace into the side. And if we're not sure what those kinds of players are going to do, then the opposition have got no chance. So I think it's always good to have somebody like that, somebody who's just capable of doing something off the cuff that's a, that's a bit different. Uh, so that, that's really, really exciting. Uh, the lad we've signed from Norwich, uh, Triable, I don't know a great deal about him, but to... Norwich City supporting a Twitter acquaintance of mine again, both say he's good, steady, solid. And we need somebody in central midfield to cover for Lewis Travis, who's our midfield powerhouse. He's out with injury until the new year. 
uh, he really is a terrific, terrific young player. Uh, originally Liverpool Academy, they let him go. We picked him up. Uh, I think he came to the club as a right back and was kind of like converted him into an all-action midfielder. He is, I think he will play in the Premier League. There's no doubt about that. But this injury has definitely set things back there. So Tribal's a good cover for him. We've got choices now that we didn't have last season. Um, so as I say, it's how we use them, how we can get the best out of them. And can we get the right mix quickly enough to make an impact? So as long as we're, we're there or thereabouts, I think come Christmas, uh, having cover in all of those key positions can only be a good thing because that's where we really struggled last season. I mean, we got probably four or five players out today, uh, but for once it didn't feel like we were having to fill the bench with the 13-year-old kids that we, <laughs> we picked up from town centre with a big net. Uh, which at some point last season, you know, we have a pretty good academy, but uh, you don't want to be putting too much of the burden of responsibility on players who are 17, 18 years old. You want them to come in uh, and be sort of like nurse made in the team. And I think we have the ability to do that. So, um, yeah, before five o'clock today and that dreadful performance this afternoon, I think everybody was really so optimistic last night. It was amazing on the forum and on Twitter saying that this is a terrific a terrific window for us and a lot of fans of other sides echoing what you guys have just said in that well Blackburn have had possibly the best win of the championship and that's an unusual situation for us we've not been in that position for quite some time and one or two people again yesterday liken it to the day of Del Gleish where you'd go out at lunchtime and we'd find a player you'd finish work and put the radio on at night and we'd find another one you know, you wake up at breakfast the next morning, you stand one overnight. It, it, it felt a bit like that in the last two hours. People were sort of saying, do you remember, it used to be like this in 1991. You know, so, uh, so not quite the same calibre, but it, it is exciting. So I just, I just hope that over the next two or three weeks, we, we can introduce two or three of those, those signings and get them embedded in, in the team. And it pay off with a run of decent results. And I think we can get some momentum going. Um, but, yeah, football, as they say, is a funny old game. Uh, so we shall see whether that happens. It is indeed. Um, and obviously off the back of that, you've just talked about how exciting it could be and, you know, getting the right mix, making sure that the players play um, in enough games. With your transfer activity, what are your aims now for this season? Is it to challenge for the playoffs? Maybe higher? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. But uh, the playoff has to be on the radar now. Uh, I think I think the activity this week has, has completely recalibrated expectations. Um, I think prior, we, with the impact of COVID, uh, um, the uncertainty around how the FFP rules were going to be applied, it seemed like we weren't in the market to find players and we'd let something like I think maybe seven or eight first team of go over the summer, and it was hard to see how we were going to sustain any kind of impact in the championship. And uh, the natural pessimist, for which I would ne- uh, include myself, was also saying, well, if we're not careful here, if you get off to a bad start, you can get sucked into a relegation battle. That's all changed. Because you looked at the areas of the team and sort of said, well, all of these areas need strengthening. And we brought players in for each of those areas. So it kind of, it, it's make or break for Mowbray. Yeah, I think he's got uh, he's got to deliver now. He can't turn around and say that he wasn't backed in the transfer market. It has been in circumstances in which so many clubs uh, are hand to mouth 
we've actually you know, we're paying the wages, we're bringing those players in on loan, and we find a few permanent deals as well. So, you know, we're, we're not. I, I, if we don't, if we're not in the conversation for the playoffs with a couple of games to go, it will be it will be disappointing. Bearing in mind the investment that's been made. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of things that can happen in terms of injuries, as we saw losing last season. So you don't take anything for granted. And the championship is a tough division, a really tough division. But if it, if we can get some kind of chemistry, um, and I will say build, get some momentum going, I think that's the important thing. Uh, don't don't have a, a really rubbish first half of the season and just have everybody deflated. It, it, we just need to hit the ground and and win, say three out of five games and draw one or something like that, just to make the fans believe and make the players believe uh, that all things are possible. It, it, as I said, it's recalibrated expectations. Uh, so it's a playoff or bust. That's it. It's really here for us. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, turning our attentions now to Wednesday night's game at Vicarage Road, uh, where you're coming down um, to play us. Um, yep. Looking out for Watford's squad, is there anyone you fear? And also afterwards, could I get your score prediction uh, for the game Wednesday? <laughs> uh, is there anyone I fear? Well, I, you know, don't don't take this the wrong way, but I tend I tend not to know a great deal about the opposition <laughs> until I look at I look at some, like the team sheet on the day. Obviously, you guys are in the Premier League, so um, we, we tended to see you on TV a bit more. The the the, the, the Watford player that I always admired was Troy Deeney. Uh, I think he, he's just such a handful, but you've got You've got so many um, players whose names I would recognise, but I wouldn't know how big, how big a threat, threat they are. So I don't take that as, a, as an insult to, to what this capability is. Uh, but there are, there are certain names that resonate. I say Dini is one, and, and Will Hughes is another one, but so because he was booked from the Championship and all the rest of it. You're going to tell me now that they were both sold yesterday or something like that. That's not the spot. No, no. They are, yeah. We, we managed to keep hold of Troy and Will, which is uh, brilliant news for us. Yeah, I, I think uh, Troy, Troy Deeney is one of those players that you hate until he plays for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And we used, to have, uh, we used to have a couple of those. We had Craig Bellamy for a season and Robbie Savage, of course. And I couldn't stand either of them until they played for us. And then when they played for us, they were, they were ours. Uh, and I loved them to bits. So, yeah. I watched, um, seen the, the, the highlights of your, uh, well, the, the goals in particular uh, from from last night's game. You, know, you won one nil at Derby, of course. Everyone wins at Derby. <laughs> uh, so, so I don't know whether we, we can give you too much credit for that. Uh, but Watford is never, never an easy place to go to, as the cliche would have it. And I'd shake hands on a one-all draw there, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, no, I can I can see that being a good result for uh, and again no no disrespect intended, but if you're Blackburn and you you're coming down to Watford's newly sort of relegated side, a one-one draw, yeah. you, you, it's the old cliche: win your home games, draw your away ones. Yeah. So yeah, no, yeah. I, I can I can certainly see that. Obviously, we um, we want a little bit more than that, and we we don't tend to let many goals pass. So I'm hoping it's not as boring as last night because, as you pointed out, it wasn't the uh, the most spectacular game. But uh, that's the championship sometimes for you. But we got to wrap it up with the um, the question that throws the most people under the bus. Um, so <laughs> we always ask for three your prediction of the three teams to go up and the three to go yeah. down. I'll make it a little bit easier for you. Start with the three to go down. Right, we we did a pre-season uh, preview prediction pod 
uh, on BRFCS. Uh, but I only asked the top and bottom. I didn't ask the three. So I'll tell you now who I'm nominated to go down. Wickham. We played they were our first home game. Uh, and they were absolutely <laughs> dreadful at our place. Uh, and, of course, they're still pointless in the true Richard Orton tradition. So I think they're, they're absolutely rammed to finish bottom. When we did it with the panel, the next favourite to go down, and I won't disagree too hard with that, was Barnsley. Um, I live in Sheffield, so uh, South Yorkshire. I tend to pay a bit more attention to the likes of Mother and Barnsley, Sheffield Wednesday, uh, being relative to the local clubs, and Barnsley having lost Struber. I think uh, they're probably... Good candidates to go down. The wild card is Sheffield Wednesday, and whether they can get round the 12 point deduction quickly enough mm. to give them momentum. Certainly got off to a reasonable start, and it's looking like they, they're going to be safe. Um, so I'll probably say that Rotherham are that eternal yo yo club, just too good for League One, not quite good enough for the championship. Yeah. So they possibly be my, my third choice, which would disappoint me because I like to have Barnsley and Rotherham as local games. Not that we can go to any local games right now. But they're <laughs> yeah. good away games for me because we're only a few minutes down the road. But let's uh, let's put the dagger into South Yorkshire. Say Barnsley, <laughs> Rotherham and Wickham. Very In terms of the top, um, Brentford, I liked watching last last year. And again, in our prediction part, I tipped them to finish top and then they sold all the players. Um, so I don't know how they've spent the money, whether whether it will gel or not, but I feel duty-bound to stick with them. Again, in our pre-season pod, you guys were, were uh, endorsed by, I think, at least three, if not four. So it would be remiss of me not to reflect the uh, the wisdom of the crowds. So we'll, we'll put you in the second automatic place. The third one, probably Bournemouth. I think, uh, okay. I think they... They've still got enough about them, and they've they've hung on to Josh King, who's a former player of ours, um, who stars a lot of Myers and Blackburn. Um, I think you've got one chance when you come down if you can try and hold most of your squad together. Uh, and Bournemouth still have some tidy players, um, so I think if they're there or thereabouts as well, they could invest in January. So let's, I, I think playoffs for them, but let's let's tip them to go through the playoffs. Well, some very, very interesting picks. We we usually get the the, the same teams, but uh, we we've not had anyone say Bournemouth yet. So uh, that's very, very interesting for uh, for well, Watford fans to say. Them. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think because we played them, we played pretty well and lost. Mm. Um, it was one of those games that you thought well, we're actually doing all right here, and then they clinically took the chances that we gave them and yeah. took them really well. I, well, it was Premier League finishing. It's kind of like, you know, well, you get away with that. The champion, they need five or six attempts or something like that to score. And they didn't. They, they, they put them all away. Um, so I think that, that probably lingered in the memory. That, that that was one of our better days. But they kind of like swatted us aside. And it was a bit disappointing to not get a point because I think that would have uh, would have set us off in, in, in good stead. But, um, but, you know... I, th- I think they'll be there or thereabouts, given that they have managed to hold on to Josh King and they've still got David Brooks. I think I don't think he's gone. Mm. So if they're there in January, it wouldn't surprise me if they spent a bit more money. Um, and I would imagine that they'll, they'll be a difficult opponent in the championship this season. Well, some like I said, some very very interesting picks. But uh, yeah, that's that's all the uh, all the questions for today. So thank you very much for coming on, Ian. Um, we will my pleasure, my pleasure. make the uh, the podcasts. 
we will tag them in. So go and check them out, listeners, uh, when when you get a moment. But uh, all the best for Tuesday. Not too much good uh, Wednesday, rather. <laughs> Not too much good luck. Um, no, but I, I, I do like Blackburn, so I, I really hope you uh, you do make a good fist of it and uh, and come back up. But yeah, thank you very very much for uh, for joining us for joining us today. Ian. You're welcome, chat, and all the best with your podcast. I hope it uh, it goes well. Thank you very much. Thank you. Big thanks once again to Ian from the BRFCS podcast for coming on and speaking to us. Don't forget to drop a like and a retweet to spread awareness for the podcast. Drop us a tweet as well with your score prediction at Voices of the Vic on Twitter. And as it's a midweek game, we are going to be live, myself and Ben, on Instagram Live straight after the game to give you our thoughts on the game, hopefully a Watford win. And we will be back in the form of a podcast after Saturday today's home game against Bournemouth. In the meantime, come on you horns. Sports Social Podcast Network.